This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 437 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and TotalSaddleFit.com. Tonight, we are continuing with our listener question and answer training series with recent eye tackling some training issues brought to you by our listeners and auditors and, and great people. Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. Hi, Reese. How are you doing? Oh, I am great. How are you? I'm doing great as well. Yeah. Super. What's, yeah, no, what's I, new in Kentucky? Well, we've had just great weather. I mean, it's just been yeah. awesome. Been good it's weather warm. all around. Yeah, yeah, it's been really nice. So today, I actually... There's a one-star event going on today, and um, which was really fun. I had two two riders actually did the test ride uh, for various reasons. One was sort of an older horse um, that's gone advanced, but it was fun to see him back in the ring. And then another one was a young rider just getting some uh, miles, uh, which is great. You know, that's always a great opportunity. We, we talk about that, getting your horses out and, and getting some ring time. Uh, that's always huge, so it's always nice when you can do it for free and uh, at the yeah, Kentucky really. Horse Park, you know. That's so that nice. was that was great. She got to run through, and then I had some some riders going for real in the uh, one star. And the one star is uh, above preliminary. It's it's sort of like their pre St George, uh, the eventing pre St George. Yeah, it's the first FEI first level. FBI. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a couple of my riders were the first time in an FEI competition, so that was really fun to to see them get to that point, which was awesome. And, um, but one of the things I, I, I thought, and I was like, I'm going to make a note. Um, I think it's always important to go back. Um, you know, my rider, my rider had a pretty good ride for, for where we are, you know, this is a younger horse. It's our first, basically first pre St. George or first FEI event. So, um, I think you have to be realistic. There are horses that will be at that level their entire career and never move up. Um, and she rode actually for her, it was as almost as good of a test as she could ride, but she made a very costly mistake. So basically, and I, and I bring this up because sometimes it's easy to look at the scoreboard and be just devastated. Like why was my score that score? And, uh, and she said, well, she was so good. And so it's always a good reminder to sit down with your trainer or just with yourself in a quiet place and look at the test. So this, this particular mistake was a double score and it, she actually affected two boxes. So this, the, uh, the exercise was, uh, a lengthened canter across the three quarter diagonal, bring the horse back, collect, have a collected canter. And then in the corner marker, I transitioned to trot. Well, my rider rode a actually pretty good extended canter and then she brought the horse back, uh, and the horse was right on her aids and she trotted. Uh, she didn't come back from the lengthening, right? She, she, she trotted. So not only did she get a score with, from two judges, there was a mistake in the transition. She also hit the next box. So it was incredible 
incredibly costly, along with some other little things that happen. Very expensive. So sometimes it's important, you know, she was upset and I got, you know, the the message and I said, hey, remember, first of all, it was a pretty good test. It's about as good as we could do. But do you remember that mistake you made and how costly that was? And then she said, oh, oh, yeah, you're right. That is going to be costly. And she ended up getting like a two and a and a one, <laughs> you know, from two oh, judges. Yeah. That is expensive. So it's just a good reminder to always just take a minute and go through your tests because some things may have happened that you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did that, but everything else was good. Eh, mathematically, that's going to be expensive. So just a good reminder for 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 people as you get your test back. Um, yeah. And I said, you know, go back, do the math and make that just sixes, you know, just a regular just, yeah, score or five or six or five or six mark. and the normal mark and you know ideally we'd like a seven or eight but take it to a six and you'll see that score will go back up to where it should be so just yeah. a good reminder i thought from today's uh day at the horse show so yeah and math math matters math oh, matters yeah. and unfortunately <laughs> when you and, and it's a double score so she basically got like two twos from two different judges and yeah. a one <laughs> or something like that you know i'm just it, it it's gonna it's gonna kill your score basically so yeah that's not that's not good so. and she's good yeah i mean you could still have a good ride and a low score based on math and vice versa sure. actually yeah, yeah for sure right? yeah yeah so it's just so. a good reminder so phil you've got a fun weekend coming up huh yeah i'm gonna be spending the weekend with carl hester oh jealous <laughs> And a bunch of other people, I suppose, Super too, and some riders nice. and, and this and this. But this, yeah, he's uh, he's going to give a two-day symposium clinic with uh, a lot of actually our, our Canadian team riders and, you know, Olympic riders and whatever. So uh, looking forward to that. Going to get some tips. Ooh, we're we're going to learn some stuff. Week. I'm going <gasps> to bring it onto the show. Actually, next week we're off, but the week after. That's right. Next week is Western, week is so we love Western you guys. Week. We'll miss yeah. you. Yeah, it is Western yep. week, but the week after, maybe we'll get some good stuff. Oh, I can't wait. Yes, take notes, Phil, so you remember. I remember. I love it. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I guys have to take notes. Phil can remember, I guess. So, Well, I love it. Well, we're looking forward to that, and we have an awesome show. Uh, this is our listener question show, and as always, feel free to send them. It, it doesn't have to be on the once-a-month week where we've been doing these question and answer. You can send it to Phil and I anytime, and we'll put it in a bank. So if you're riding around and have a question, you're like, gosh, I really need to ask that to Reese and Phil, I guarantee there's someone else around that has the same question in our listener poll. So uh, our first question up is our longtime listener and friend of the show, Rhonda Crabtree, and I hope you enjoy our discussion. Well, tonight for our listener question show, we are so excited to have Rhonda Crabtree on. She is a very loyal listener to Phil and I. God bless you. And to the whole uh, Horse Radio Network, I think. Yeah. Network, and we love having you on. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's nice to be here. We've had you on before, so you know the deal. And you've got a great question for Phil and I. Could you could you tell us what your question is for us? Yeah, I'm just kind of wondering about older horses and about how long you can continue to train them and how long they'll continue to stay fit if nothing happens. A um, little bit of background. My horse is 18, and we're now at third level. Um, I don't think we'll probably ever show fourth level, but um, there's probably no reason that we couldn't train it um you know he's very fit he's actually going the best he's ever gone probably because i'm riding a little better um the more practice i've got um so i'm just kind of curious what you guys think about that yeah i'm I'm happy to kick this one off because i've had tons of older horses a lot of older fei horses in my career and and i manage several now 
in in my kind of practice, if you'd like to say that, um, on sort of in my in my barn and in my stable of horses. So I, I think the first thing is I'm a firm believer and they should work to the best of their capability and they will be very honest and tell you sort of when it's time to retire or when they need to step down. Um, I think you just have to be ready to listen to what they have to say. So, um, like you said, your horse is fit and happy and looks the best that he's ever looked. So my, my thing would be continue on what you're doing. Um, are you doing any special maintenance on him or any, any kind of therapy or, or what are you doing on him? Um, yeah, he sees the chiropractor as needed. So sometimes that's twice in a month and sometimes it's, um, every two months, depending on what he's doing in the field. Um, and he has a massage probably every six weeks. Um, saddle fitter comes twice a year. And so we always make sure that, you know, we're on top of everything. And I do have a great trainer who's going to see me through all of this as it happens. But, you know, I just like to kind of think ahead. Geez, I mean, I think you're doing a fantastic job. I think those are all things that I, you know, we do on a regular basis. We start when they're, you know, relatively young. Uh, I think, you know, as, as a horse progresses through their career, for me, especially with the massage, I mean, the massage won't hurt them, the chiropractor, acupuncture, you know, that's all good stuff and, and is very helpful for horses of all ages. Um, and, you know, as they get older, they may need, it's kind of like us. They may need a little bit longer time to warm up or a little more suppling or a little bit more love or more, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the back on track products or, or um, uh, Benefab also has good products, um, you know, of the sort of products that help keep the muscles warm and, and, and circulating and, uh, you know, but when it comes to the work, you know, you maybe can't train every day for an hour. It may be that you have to go for a harder day to a lighter day uh, to a medium day or, you know, you can't train pirouettes every day on an older horse. That's not a good idea. You can't, you know, it's not a great idea to do extended trot every day on really any horse. I mean, you know, but especially an older horse, once they sort of are trained, you know, you do the movement and then and then maybe you don't go back there to that um, or train a thousand pirouettes or, you know, maybe you do one or two each way and move on. Maybe you don't make them quite as small so they don't have to sit as much or the angles to the half pass so tight. Uh, you can make them a little sweeping. Uh, and, and like with a Grand Prix horse, you don't need to do that. You know, it's 30 meters. They have to go across the ring. It's a, it's a heavy, big angle. Uh, we, you know, I wouldn't do that every day. So that's kind of what I, you know, what, what we worry about, you know, watch and worry about. But again, you know, if he's happy and going and doing his thing and you have a great trainer and you're doing, it sounds like you do all the maintenance on him, I, I would rock on until he, he may be 25 and he may tell you, um, <laughs> you know, hey, uh, I, I don't really know, but, you know, I wouldn't put a, well, he's just 18 and I'm going to turn him out. I'm not a firm believer in that. I, I, we worked, um, my mare, Jamaica, she just, you know, she, she, she stepped down, she stepped down to me and then she went to a young rider and then she went to sort of a gentle, uh, lesson. She was my assistant at the time. Wasn't very, you know, just walked our canner. She did that for six months. 
Um, and then she now leads my four-year-old niece around, which she doesn't really like, but I'm kind of all set. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. You've got to walk her around once a month around the paddock. You can do that. So, you know, that's what I did with mine is, is she said, hey, I can't work this hard. But she still wanted to work. Uh, just recently, she, she said, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I like my paddock time. So, you know, that's me. Phil, how about you? Well, I think something to remember about um, dressage horses or competition horses in general is that they are very used to the lifestyle of having a lot done with them and then, you know, going going to work every day and really um, looking forward to that. And so I'm always worried that, you know, people are like, well, now I'm just going to turn them out. And not all the horses do very well in that situation. So I think that's an important thing to remember is that you, I mean, just turning them out in the paddock, a lot of horses just don't do well with that. And, and so I think you could just keep riding in general, even if you're not doing a lot of work with them, even if they, you know, have some issues, uh, you still want to be brushing them. You still want to pay attention to the horses. I think it's really not a good idea to just, you know, do nothing with them at some point. So, um, and as far as, you know, your horse sounds around it, I think, that you, what, how I approach these things is that you know I make sure that always returning to basics and doing a lot of basics or even uh, a little bit more walk work and really spending more time warming up the horse. And then you say, oh, well, he feels really good today. I'm going to try uh, a large quarter pirouette or something. You know, when you're, when you're training something like this, you just take more time saying, you know, really thinking a little bit long term that I'm going to develop the pirouettes uh, a little bit in a longer way or the tempi changes and just you, you can still plug away at the training you just have to take more time and then i use these exercises uh, uh to more diagnose problems and say okay if the horse gets a little stiff in the canter pirouette i might do a few more walk pirouettes make it really work for me really well and then attempt the canter pirouette again so you're not just you know hammering away at at, at one movement like reset and rep- not a lot of repetitions of the same thing um, just being a little bit more careful and thoughtful about it and, and using the upper level movements to diagnose um, lower level problems, you know, whether it's bending or straightness, supplement, you know, all of these things that go along the, the training scale and, and just, you know, attempting one or two pirouettes a week would, and then maybe building a little bit more um, to doing a few more over time, just really a long term goal, long term plans. And I think the horses are totally fine with that. Um, and, and really listen to your horse and, and know when they're tired, it's not a day to push. And when you know, you get, the horse gets a little cranky, you have to listen a little bit more and not just push through that with those, those problems. But for sure, you just, you know, you just keep on training and, uh, like we said, you just listen to your horse and, uh, and he'll tell you what's, what's going on. Okay. Sounds good. So we'll just keep plugging away and see where yeah. we get to. Yes. Yeah. And we can't wait uh, to stay in touch with us about what's going on. We love it. Yeah, the the mm-hmm. other thing about the, the maintenance things, uh, we tend to start them on Adequan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a product that has shown uh, some positive results if, if you can get on it earlier enough because it's a preventative. There, you know, there's a lots of preventative therapies that you can't start once you have a problem. So you got to kind of think ahead with these things. And, and if you're going to start a commitment to something like that, you, you have to continue through with it. Um, you know, and, and these things can be can be expensive, um, you know, with a little bit older horse have done, uh, hyaluronic, uh, injections as well that have seemed to help. Mm. So I think it just can. Yeah. He, he, 
He does get the HA injections a couple times a year. Yeah, I think that that tends to help. I think that's pretty standard. So again, I think it's just open communication with your with your veterinarian about discussing different therapies, and and everybody has a little bit different thoughts on it. So uh, you know, hopefully your your vet's up to date on on these things, and there's lots yeah. of things so, can that can help out with that. Absolutely, yeah. I, I've got one more. You know, we use the Theraplate. I'm a, I'm a well, the horses love it. I can tell you every single horse, once they know, we, we put them on the TheraPlate for about 10 minutes before we get going every day. Uh, and that really seems to work. I really like the TheraPlate. The horses love it. It really puts them in sort of in a mindset of work, which is nice. And they are all pretty relaxed on it. Um, so that's good. And then the other thing we do, I have really good communication with our vets. Um, you know, uh, which is fantastic. Now, granted, I live in an area, uh, you know, we're, we're vet central here. So it's real easy to, to have really super quality vets here. And, but I think it's really important. Um, my older horses, I jog on a pretty frequent basis. I don't jog them. I don't flex them. Uh, usually once a month actually, which sounds aggressive, but in some ways, it's nice to have the same person flex your horse a couple times a year, even because they're gonna they're gonna feel differences, which is nice or remember that. So that's something we do is once a month we jog the horses just to make sure nothing has changed and that everybody's happy and fit and healthy. Um, so I think it's a great way. I mean, usually the vet's out here doing something else or or we'll schedule it. So I'm not necessarily getting a huge call fee. Um, but that's something I have found in my career to be really helpful and especially sort of with the older guys, you know, so you can stay on top of you're more playing offense than you're playing defense. You know, sometimes yeah, with the yeah, older yeah. guys trying to prevent things and, yeah. I, and having a baseline set of x-rays never hurts. Right. Exactly. No, but that, again, that's thinking ahead, right? If you do it, if you do it later on, you, you've got right. nothing to compare to. So again, yeah. it's just, yeah, planning ahead and, and uh, and if you're if you have a horse and you're thinking long term with it, again, the conversation with your vet, yeah. thinking, okay, well, I'm gonna, I want to be training this horse for a long time. Is there anything I should be thinking? Absolutely, right. along with along with already what you're doing. I mean, you're doing a great maintenance plan with them. So those are just some extra tips that that we would we would use. But Rhonda, thank you so much for coming on the show again. You are such a great guest. We love always having you. And we can't wait to keep in touch with how your guys doing. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. That would be helpful. And <laughs> Yes, that would make sure our tips work. Exactly. <laughs> thanks, Rhonda. <laughs> well, that was a great discussion with Rhonda. And right after this break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back from a listener question from a listener in Australia. The sun is just peeking above the tree line as you walk into the barn. You grab your horse's halter off the hook and head out to the field. The dew shimmers in the sun as you walk across the damp grass. You call his name and his head comes up as he walks toward you looking for the apple in your pocket. You take your time grooming, enjoying the peace and quiet in the empty barn. A refreshing breeze greets you as you start down the tree-lined path. Your horse ambles along on a loose rein as you both enjoy a relaxing ride. The feeling you get on an early morning hack is why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Microphase. Fill the nutritional gaps in your horse's diet 
Microphase Vitamin and Mineral Supplement is a low-calorie way to provide your horse with the vitamins and minerals missing from their diet. The horse that matters to you matters to us. So, Phil, you got a great question for one of, from one of our listeners in Australia. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, well, we were going to have her on the show, but then scheduling, I mean, <laughs> got complicated. 12 hours to Australia became a little bit too complicated. So I thought it's a good question. And I think a, a lot of I've taught a lot of lessons with a little bit of this issue. So I thought I would just read it out. And uh, we're going to thank Anne for sending us this question. And hopefully we can help her and maybe a few other of our listeners who are tackling this problem. And this problem has to do with maintaining contact. She's uh, She has a young mare that is is good in the contact for about five strides, then has a tendency to pop her head up. Then she's good again for a few strides and pops her head up. So this is kind of an inconsistency problem. Um, she checkmarked. Uh, one of the things that I kind of look for when we have this issue is that the horse's teeth have been checked, the back has been checked, saddle, the bit seems good. Everything's been pretty good, but maybe that this is a training question that we can help her out with. So she says also as a little bit of uh, feedback, that she's pretty sure it's about needing to have a more stationary outside rain that would prevent her from bringing her head up. So I think we can, I think we can tackle this one. You know, I mean, we were just talking about it and, and it can be a few different things that can kind of cause this inconsistency in the contact. I think for sure that she's already led us to one of them is, uh, is not enough restriction on the bit, but I think sometimes the, the bigger one is not enough, kind of forward energy or or tempo or you know rhythm you know you want to have a really consistent rhythm with a good amount of tempo to it so the horse is being driven kind of onto the bit rather than having a choice to take the next step um, you know as you're walking or trotting or cantering you, you want to keep thinking forward 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 and, and pressing that horse so that the connection happens a little bit more naturally from energy rather than a restricting rein. I think that um, when you get into restricting the horse, it it, it's, it takes a little bit of careful supervision. But you're always going to be a little bit better off if you're riding riding the horse forward. You know, even if it sometimes is a little bit more forward than than the horse would like to at the time. I think that kind of leads to the right answer a little easier. What do, what do you think, Reese? Any ideas? Yeah. Well, and I am with you. I think it's a very good point. The saddle's been checked. The teeth have been checked. That That's super important. Like if I ever see kind of a contact issue coming up, and, and youngsters are, I mean, you know, again, they're learning that. Youngsters are a little bit of a different breed. They get sore sometimes. They get tight. They, they're they growing. Yeah, I think there's some level of growing pains. So sometimes with contact, I think you have to be, you know, realistic about that. That's one of the things. Uh, and I think, Phil, you were right on with answering that. That's been taken care of in this particular question but I think if you're talking about contact on young horses that's something you have to think about the next thing um you know young horses also have to learn to sort of step laterally into the connection also you know they have to 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 be through from the back to the front but they also have to keep the throughness when you ask them to step laterally so I have some horses you know you really work on forward 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 in front of the aids into the sort of the the connection or the box of aids pushing them to the bit all those things have to happen um, to make that horse come through but then you may add in that that horse needs to start they're, they're connected to both reins, but they need to push to the outside rein 
and that sort of lateral step and and going to the outside rein from your inside leg and for them bringing their inside inside hind leg between their two front legs, they struggle with that. And I think that that's pretty, that's normal. Um, and then it, it is not abnormal for the horse to get a little funny in the contact uh, at that moment in time. And I think you just have to really think about it and, and really kind of diagnose, like, is the horse in front of my aides? Um, do they not understand uh, is that kind of playing a role into sort of the unsteadiness in the connection? Uh, you know, do you need to step way back and go to teaching them a turn on the forehand or even doing a little leg yield along the wall where you're pushing them to the outside rein or leg yield in general? You know, just a basic sort of gentle meander from the from the center line where you just gently push them to the outside rein and they take a few steps and they drive to that outside rein. Um, I think that those are all things that you can work on and figure out, but that's a time to ask yourself some questions, you know, also with your own riding, am I steady? Is the horse pushing to steady contact? Do they understand what's going on? Some horses that I find, we even have to go way back to like lunging with side reins, you know, depending it's, it's a little bit, this is a hard question because we, we haven't seen the particular horse. We didn't see a video, so it's, it's hard, but um, you know, it, it, does the horse even understand what you're asking them to do? Was the horse, you know, a hunter and, and now you're asking them to, to be round and be a dressage horse. So hard to know that. So that would be my thing is, is not only make sure that they're going forward and they're pushing to both reins, but do they understand the concept of pushing toward the outside rein uh, laterally and, and sort of understand that they need to soften and, and go to that outside rein. So that would be my two cents in that. Does that make sense, Phil? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think this is the, the part of dressage. I think that people struggle with the most is, is creating the right contact mm -hmm. and having the right balance. It's, you know, it's fine lines with, you know, how much leg do you need? You know, how much forward, um, riding do you need and how much rain restricting to you, do you need? And I think this is, this is the, the lessons. Like if you're going to take lessons at any point in your riding and training a horse this is where you do it this is where, where it's most valuable to have an experienced person on the ground showing you how to take care of this problem because without without a consi consistent connection you can't move forward into more of the test pattern riding and working on transitioning mm -hmm. you know and these kind of things so uh, like you said it, it, it's a really tricky problem because it, it all things come into play riders balance riders use of aids effectiveness use of aids teaching the horse to you know understand and then of course um a separate thing to look at is just the horse's confirmation and how mm -hmm. that can be a challenge for making so when i'm coming to a first lesson or i'm helping somebody with a horse with a connection problem i first like to take a look at the confirmation and decide okay what kind of horse is this a horse that needs to be driven a little extra forward and where's where's the where's the training and the time best spent to, you know, even in the first lesson, maybe you're not going to create a better connection, but you're going to be working on things that are going to improve the connection and only with kind of an experienced eye and, uh, and, and somebody who's, you know, taught a lot of horses and trained a lot of horses. Are you, are you going to be uh, able to move forward? Because it takes a lot of, all the horses are a little bit unique in how they connect to the bridle. And that's where I say, confirmation i can look at a horse and say oh this is a horse i've had experience you know with this type of horse before 
whether it's a draft cross or a straight thoroughbred or, you know, um, really the, the warm bloods have uh, a step ahead of some of the other breeds in this way because they're kind of built a little bit uphill and built for this kind of connecting idea. So mm-hmm. it can be a huge challenge. I, um, and then didn't tell us about the breed of our horse. So I could be a little bit, or, you know, we can always take a video. If somebody sends us a video, we can have a little bit better idea and try and describe what's going on. Um, that's kind of helpful for us. But um, this is, again, a really tricky problem. It takes experience. It takes a lot of uh, learning and and just kind of plugging away at some of the, the basic exercises, whether it's uh, doing a 20-meter circle or doing a little bit, a little bit like you said, a little bit of leg yielding on the circle. Is it a little bit of inside, like the outside rain connection problem? Is it, you know, so um, tricky for us to answer, but hopefully we can, you know, we talk through it a little bit and we can, and we can help. You can always send us a little bit more detailed description about about what's going on here and, and what your horse is like and a little bit their breed confirmation. That helps. All the all that information can help us diagnose and, and develop develop the issue. Right. Is there anything you want to add there, Reese? No, I think that that pretty much covers it from from what we know from the video. So I mean, from the questions. So I hope that 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 helps everybody. This tip was brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love. And here's why. The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At totalsaddlefit.com. Visit totalsaddlefit.com. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, we've got our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week. And to start off, we're going to talk, we talked about the synthetic shoulder relief girth last week and how much we love this girth um, because, you know, what's great about Justin's products is that he has a wide range of products. So he's got the leather girth, he's got the shoulder relief, uh, all in the shoulder relief um, design. He's got, yeah. yeah, I think that the design has been so great and that he just continues to, develop different price points, different materials, um, you know, whatever is going to suit your needs that, that you can have a, a shoulder relief girth that, that has the, has the shape and the fit that you need to keep your saddle in the right place. And then you can just decide which version is going to be going to be best for you. I think that's, that's great. That's amazing. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, like Phil was saying, there's the, he has wool fleece covers now. He has the nylon covers. He has leather. So really any price point where you are or sort of any saddle fit problem, um, Justin at Total Saddle Fit can take care of it. And these girths are fantastic. The synthetic girth, I mean, it's still hot here. It was 80 degrees here today. And the horses <laughs> are so sweaty, you know, because they, they're getting their coats and we haven't quite clipped them yet. So, um, you know, so we're dealing with sweaty horses still um, and, and giving baths and all that good stuff. So this is a great girth. Uh, it's a great price point, but you can also give it a hose off. And Justin won't be mad if you hose the leather girth off. Not to say that I've done that, um, but he's, this is great. So um, any questions, totalsaddlefit.com and or call Justin or email Justin at Total Saddle Fit. He's great and great with any saddle fit issues. So we hope that helps. And Phil, we've got a really good um, question um, from Courtney. And this came on for our, our listener show today. And it says, how does one handle the bulky horse? The horse that just plants its feet and says, nope, not moving. So we were going to talk about, you know, again, it's a little hard to know why that horse is doing that, but I can, we're going to give you kind of our own situations with horses that we are dealing with or have dealt with that do this um, as part of it. So uh, right now, my youngster that everybody's heard me talk about, follow me, um, he really has an issue with um, water, <laughs> especially water spots in the arena. He also, like puddles. He doesn't like puddles. He doesn't like, he has trouble going from like, yeah, the change in footing. Right. And so from the grass to the, to the driveway, like he really struggles with that. And that's like an honest thing. However, sometimes his reaction is not particularly honest. Uh, And, you know, I also have some ditches, like this particular horse just needs or needed, we've worked on this, just life skills, right? He is actually great in the arena. I haven't had any trouble. He's He's really good at the horse show. He is a bit of a princess. He's probably started, in, well, I know he started in the fall in Germany, so it's kind of gross. The weather's nasty. So they, he really probably never went outside to work. And, um, you know, he goes outside. This horse is outside all day. I try to not make him a princess, but I did not make him this way. I'm just saying. He oh, came this yeah. way. And he can be naughty, Phil. There's some naughtiness in there. Um, and I have to be honest, um, there was enough naughtiness that um, Big Mama here, was not handled. I was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I am not. I mean, because he really needed to be trained through this. This is an issue that he, I'm not going to say he didn't take a little too far. He took a little far, you know, just kind of like, come on, man, you know, we understand this is a difficult thing for you, but you need to be able to walk over water spots in the arena. This is, it could rain, you know, and I have an indoor, yeah. I don't, I don't have an outdoor. So uh, now if it's raining, we are going outside on the driveway and running around, you know, trotting around on the driveway, but I brought in an event rider who rides a lot of youngsters who, um, needs, we call it life skills day. Um, and I find this a really important part. I have to be honest, like I said, he's pretty naughty and, and big mama Reese here. Um, so I brought in somebody I felt like was very capable of handling it and they go and they go out cross country. They cross the creeks. We've been to a local park. They've crossed ditches. I literally, we've made water spots in the driveway because it's actually very dry here. We've made water spots in the driveway. So we have really tried to simulate things that are going to make him nervous. And, 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 and because that's a huge part of training and he can't be a princess. Like he's got to be able to do these things. And going back to sort of the bulky 
situation. Um, that's not acceptable. If I ask you nicely to walk over, that horse has to trust the rider in this particular case. So um, I'm not going to lie. He has had a few uh, spankings and, and, you know, because it's not a rational fear. I mean, he's being, he, we've worked very hard now. We walk him over, we lunge him over it, you know, but at some level, if, if we ask him to walk over a water spot, like a gentleman, he needs to do that. So um, I brought in a very, very confident rider. I mean, she's like the most confident rider I know um, to handle that because I felt like that was necessary. Because if I am at all uh, nervous about crossing said water spot, you know, he's going to feel that. So, uh, that's worked really well for me, Phil. Uh, you're, you are, Phil's obviously significantly braver than I am, but <laughs> I think it's important though that, you know, the horses have all kinds of skills, right? Uh, they can't just be dressage horses. And, you know, if I ask him to walk over a ditch that's safe, you know, he needs to walk over a ditch. Like, they, you know, you know, you can't say yeah. no. So that's, yeah, I think, yeah, I think part of it is being able to um, assess what the problem is, mm -hmm. you know, and, and with a water spot, it's very easy to figure, okay, he doesn't sure. like this, yeah, you know, and like I can, this yeah, is sure. how we work through it. I mean, if it's horse that just, you know, is working along, okay, happy, happy, happy. And then stops and, you know, like I have horses and once in a while, you know, the, the timer runs out and they sort mm -hmm. of are done. Yeah. They want to, or, you know, they're very good three-year-olds and then they want to challenge the rider a little bit, you know, more when they're four or whether it is a horse that you've never, you know, not, not a lot of experience, you know, been backed a few times and then tries it on, you know, like there's all these different situations and every horse comes with their own experience and their own personality. And so, um, there's no easy, quick solution to, you know, what works for one horse doesn't work for another horse. Um, and, and so it makes this problem a little bit harder to diagnose and just say, do this and then it's done. Right. Because sure. that's not the case. That's not the case. But um, if I have a horse that is a bit of a quitter, mm -hmm. I will do more lunging with it and I will lunge, um, with the, with the, uh, on a little bit tighter circle and I can, you know, train the horse to react, uh, from a tap on the, from the, from the whip. So I know a lot, of, a lot of people lunging just like to use the noise and the, and the lash, you know, to lunge on a big circle and sort of chase the horse. What I like to do uh, from the ground, and um, some three-year-olds I, I will do this more with because they're a little bit, I'm going to say a little bit lazy or a little bit in this way that, I, you know, they have a, that look in their eye like, okay, I'm going to quit. And so I have to, you know, use my voice and use a training technique that I can transfer to the saddle. And in this way, if I have that lunge whip, I can step far away from the horse just in case they decide to go backwards or they just decide to kick or whatever that I'm not standing, you know, with a dressage whip or a PF whip right there. I mean, and so, um, I've got enough distance and the horse, you know, on the lunge line, I will say, we'll just stop and I'm not moving forward. Then I, you know, I ask them to move forward with my voice, you know, the click walk, trot, whatever. And, and then I give the tap with a whip. The horse has to learn to understand, um, to be tapped a little bit so that when I get on, uh, you know, in the saddle and I give a similar, you know, voice, leg, tap of the whip that I kind of can, I've already produced this reaction from, to the horse that they can take forward with them, you know, uh, from, to the riding and there's no danger involved. I always worry a little bit that the horse may be very unre underreactive to the whip and then all of a sudden be super reactive to the whip. And then, I, you know, and then of course, um, with the young guys, especially, 
I will use sugar. So that's, I mean, sugar works. Um, 99.9% of horses love sugar. And so tap them on the whip, ask them to go forward, whether it's, you know, if, if I, I train them to walk and then I train them to the word trot. So, you know, a little bit more of an aid produces a little bit more of a forward response and then walk again and then sugar. And I can do this, you know, if I have some sugar in my pocket while I'm riding, I can get that reaction, you know, and then reward them with a, with a nice pat, but also with a little bit even more, you know, so they're really, it's just training, right? And so you, you, you're just training the horse, you know, he'll look for how do I, how do I get the sugar, right? And so then, you know, you can use, a, use your leg and if the leg doesn't work, then you use the whip. And if, and if you're riding and that doesn't work, then I can get off and I have always the lunging equipment in my arena and just return to a lesson that they already know that they're confident with. And then maybe I have to get back on again. So there might be a little bit, you know, with the young guys too, there might be a little bit of on and off. And if, and if the horse at five years old decides they return to this problem, I have a solution for it already worked out. So I think it's, you know, really being thoughtful in the training and, and deciding what is the problem and then how do I go about fixing it in a way that is positive to the horse's learning. So like hopefully that helps. I mean, again, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a pain in the butt to get on and off a little bit. And yeah, but in the end, you have a horse that is uh, more happy to work and, and you can solve the problem safely. I think that's the biggest thing. Like you said, um, if you're not confident about it and, you, you know, and you, you don't want to just attack the horse and have something bad happen, you, right. you have to you have to really know what you're doing. And, uh, and in my way, I think pretty much everyone can kind of relate to how that works and that it is a little bit in a safe way. That's so funny. there we go. That's my solution for Love the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, Phil, this is becoming our favorite show of the month. We love hearing from our listeners. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been really fun. I mean, it can be tricky for us because we've got to <laughs> yeah. kind of solve problems and deal issues and, and really <laughs> talk about these things. But we like doing it and we like helping, you know, people with their training and helping people out. So I think we're going to keep doing it, but uh, maybe not November, possibly December we'll be coming back with this. So yeah, it was getting can busy with the holidays. Their questions yeah. and think about coming, you know, getting brave and coming on the radio with us because uh, I think people enjoy hearing from other listeners as well. I love it. Well, I love it. Well, everybody, feel free to email or uh, email or Facebook us. Uh, we, we will get it. So as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Fantastic. Well, everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>